Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short. And I'm joined here, as always, by Drew Silva as we break down this week's MLB trade deadline, all the big moves, the players who stayed put, the stashes to keep in mind coming out of the trade deadline, changing bullpen situations, and we'll also go over all the other big stories around MLB this week, the non-trade-related stories, including the arrival of Blue Jays prospect Bo Bichette. So, Drew, are you ready? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of a... I guess, I mean, there are a lot of articles out there today on Twitter about how it was kind of a quiet deadline. And I I don't know, like for me and and you and the staff at Roto World, it didn't really feel that way because there were so many transactions to write up. But I guess it, in the grand scheme of things, like the Yankees didn't make a move, the Dodgers didn't make a move, um, which was surprising. The Cardinals didn't make a move, which I'm very frustrated by, but... Um, in general, I mean, yeah, let's just get into it. Let's let's break down these trades from like from one to ten. Yeah, so we're gonna do if we did. I think there were thirty trades altogether uh, on Wednesday. Uh, I I think I read that on Twitter this afternoon. But anyway, we're not gonna go for all of them. We're gonna do top ten. So uh, yeah, right. we're gonna start right at number one. And I think it's just on shock value alone. I think this deserves to be number one. A deal which came together. As the trade deadline expired on Wednesday, we usually see a couple trickle in after that. This time there were quite a few, and the biggest among them, the biggest blockbuster of the day, the Diamondbacks trading right-hander Zach Ranke to the Astros. Um, huge deal, and you know the Astros already look like maybe the t- team to beat in the American League, and um, that's certainly the case here, um, especially when you contrast it with what the Yankees didn't do. Uh, it was funny, uh, right around the same time that the Zach Ranke trade was uh reported by ken rosenthal the yankees announced this thing really minor yeah. trade <laughs> it was just it was hilarious um and it did get ratioed uh which was fun um so what was interesting was the diamondbacks didn't get kyle tucker in the deal which i think you might have assumed happened but uh they still netted quite the haul quite the haul uh, first base prospect seth beer really talented hitter from last year's draft class um, right-handers JB, I'm going to mess it up, Bukaskis. Yes, I got it. That's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Uh, Corbin Martin, who just actually had Tommy John surgery, but a really talented uh, young pitcher as well, and infielder Josh Rojas. Um, the Astros are covering $53 million of the $77 million remaining on Zach Ranke's contract, so uh, the Diamondbacks get some flexibility there as well. And, and we'll get into this a little bit later. The Diamondbacks did really well 
yesterday. They had a heck of an afternoon. Um, despite the underwhelming velocity, Granke has put up a 2.90 ERA over 23 starts this year. 135 strikeouts, just 21 walks, and 146 innings. I don't think this really changes his fantasy value all that much. You know, with the move to the AL, um, I kind of see him in that 10 to 20 range among starting pitchers. Um, but he's in a great situation there in Houston. You know, a loaded lineup, and that and that Astros roster is just something else. And you know, you think ahead to a playoff series with Verlander, Cole, and Granky. I mean, that's good luck. Yeah, and Wade Miley's having a pretty yeah. good year too. So if they need a fourth starter uh, in the playoffs, yeah, they're they're loaded. That was definitely the biggest wow trade of the deadline. Um, and j- just reading between the lines of all the rumors we heard leading up to to 4 p.m. Eastern time yesterday. It, it seems like the Astros set a pretty high bar for what they wanted on the starting pitching market. They were connected to Trevor Bauer and Robbie Ray, Noah Syndergaard, Madison Bumgarner. Um, and then when the Reds got Bauer and it became clear that, you know, Syndergaard and Bumgarner were not going to be moved except for a really high price, they went all in on Granke. Um, I thought actually if, if Granke was traded, it would be more about the Diamondbacks just getting out from under the 80 or so million dollars that he still owed at age 35 going on 36. Um, and the Diamondbacks, like you said, did get some salary relief here, but they also got a, like a, a way better haul of talent than I thought they would. Um, it was definitely a seller's market out there. Um, and then, yeah, so to move on to Bauer, uh, that trade was reported on Tuesday night, not officially announced until Wednesday morning. Um, a three-team, seven-player deal. Reds get Bauer. Padres get top outfield prospect Taylor Trammell from Cincinnati. And then the Indians got Yasiel Puig, left-handed pitching prospect Scott Moss from the Reds. And then Fran Mil Reyes, pitching prospect Logan Allen, and 19-year-old Victor Nova from the Padres. So a big haul there uh, for the Indians. I think the entire baseball world was confused about why the Indians would trade Bauer, given you know, that they're in the top spot in the American League wild card right now and have closed the gap uh, with the Twins. I think it's at two and a half games now that the Twins lost on Thursday afternoon. Um, but, you know, the Indians needed a corner outfield bat. They got that in Puig. And then Reyes, I think, is like sort of the secret headliner here, uh, at least for fantasy purposes. I mean, he's under control through 2024, so for, for real-life purposes, too. Uh, Puig's a free agent this winter. Bauer will be a free agent next winter. So the Reds... You know, might only get one meaningful year out of Bauer. I, I'm kind of confused on what their thinking was here. Uh, but yeah, Reyes is 24 years old, tons of raw power, isn't a very good defensive outfielder at all, um, but it's easy to to see him flourishing in a DH role for a long time there in Cleveland. Uh, 43, 43 home runs and 186 career major league games, 849 OPS this year. That's all in, in playing at Petco Park, half his games at Petco Park. Um, Puig has been on a, a heater too for for going on two months, kind of like a, a nice lightning in a bottle rental there for the Indians uh, to beef up their offense. Their, their lineup that they, they they're trotting out on Thursday just looks so much better with the addition of these two guys. Uh, Jake Bowers was optioned to Triple A Columbus uh, to make room for Reyes, so that, that's notable. Um, I guess we should talk about that brawl too that broke out. <laughs> Uh, between the Reds and Pirates, it was like 15 minutes after it was announced that this trade was was going forward. Uh, Puig was still on the field for the Reds for some reason. Um, Amir Garrett charged the Pirates' dugout, and there was just a melee. Yeah, um, he I became think a legend. Had... He became a legend, right? Yeah, right there. <laughs> Man, he, he was ready to take on the whole Pirates team. <laughs> um, yeah, there were eight suspensions handed down 
um, this afternoon, Thursday afternoon. I, I can't list them all, but Pui got three games. Garrett got eight games. Keona Kella got 10 games. Um, both managers were, were, were suspended. Uh, David Bell got six games. Clint Hurdle got two. Lot, lot, lots of punches thrown, lots of pushing and shoving. It was a real fight. Yeah. Um, so, so that's probably a little frustrating for the Indians that they're going to lose Puig for, for three games at some point. He has appealed, so he is, he is playing on Thursday night. Um, you know, but that, I, I think that's why there was actually a, a little bit of a gap between when the trade was reported and the, the trade was announced because the Indians wanted to make sure he didn't hurt himself. <laughs> um, yeah. On the Bauer end, um, yeah, I mean, I don't love it for fantasy. And, and like I said, I don't really love it for the Reds that much either. He can be a top-tier guy for stretches. We've seen that at times this year. We definitely saw it last year. Uh, but the move from progressive field um, in Cleveland to the, the band box that is Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati probably isn't going to help his stock. Um, he walks a lot of batters still, which which can hurt more when, when balls fly like they do in Cincinnati. And again, he's scheduled to become a free agent next winter. Um, I guess the Reds are, are going to com- try to compete next year. And that rotation for 2020 does look pretty good with Luis Castillo and um, Bauer now at the top. And Sonny Gray has had a really re- resurgent um, year in Cincinnati. Uh, so maybe they can make a, a run at it next season. I, I like their lineup too. And then just some fallout. Uh, Josh Van Meter um, of the Reds is interesting here. He's a 24-year-old rookie quietly having a breakout year um, in, in more of a uh, platoon like utility role. But I think he's going to get a boost in playing time with with Puig out of the, the picture. Um, I made him a pickup of the, of the day in our season pass on Roto World last week. Definitely worth paying attention to even more now uh, 312 batting average 950 OPS four home runs two stolen bases through his first 91 major league plate appearances really good numbers at triple a too so he, he's going to have an opportunity uh, to, to, to see if all that the production can translate into an, an extended stretch so looking at the Indians um, I think they could afford to trade Bauer because you look at Danny Salazar coming back Thursday this podcast comes out Friday, so we're not, we don't know the results of that start yet. But obviously, I mean, he hasn't pitched since the ALDS in 2017, so it's been such a long time. But obviously a ton of talent there. Corey Kluber should be back soon. Carlos Carrasco as well. So the rotation's getting healthier. Um, so I think in order to upgrade the lineup, they had to pay the price. And um, I think they did pretty well under the circumstances. Um, and it was funny with uh, the early trades we saw, you know, the Reds make a big move. But also the Mets make a big move. Two teams who weren't necessarily in contention. We assumed last week that Marcus Stroman would be traded, but I think we were talking about the Yankees. That looked like the obvious uh, landing spot. And he was traded, but ended up going to the Mets. Uh, the Mets sent prospect pitchers Anthony Kay and Semyon Woods Richardson back to Toronto. It was hard to really square the Mets' plan, but they apparently felt like they could manage the market to a degree as far as starting pitchers and shop Zach Wheeler and Noah Syndergaard at the same time and, and maybe extricate a lot of value for those guys. Um, it didn't end up working out for them. Uh, I guess they didn't see the asking price that they were happy with. So um, both Wheeler and Syndergaard will finish the year with them. Wheeler uh, will become a free agent following the season. will presumably get a qualifying offer before hitting free agency. They also haven't ruled out the chance of talking about a contract extension. I would assume that would mean they'd probably trade Noah Syndergaard. So um, that's something that could be re- revisited during the offseason. But in the meantime, the Mets are going to move forward with a pretty stout rotation with DeGrom at the top, Syndergaard, Wheeler, Stroman, Steven Matz. I mean, that's a pretty good rotation. 
Uh, looks like they're on their way to winning another game Thursday afternoon. So suddenly, you know, I think they're only three games under 500. So um, that could be really interesting with that rotation. And Stroman's been really good this year. 2.96 ERA over 21 starts. He's not a huge strikeout pitcher, just 99 strikeouts and 124 and two-thirds innings. But the control has been good, and he induces a ton of ground balls. That might make him a poor match for the Mets on the surface. Their defense is poor to say the least, but Stroman has done a heck of a job navigating the AL East during his career and those hitter-friendly ballparks. So a move to the National League and a pitcher-friendly ballpark I think could actually boost his value slightly. Certainly doesn't damage his value. Yeah, that would be uh, seven wins in a row for the Mets if they pull this one off. It's in the ninth inning and they're up 4 nothing. Um, and what they'd be four games back of the wild card and, and maybe even move up even further if some teams above them lose tonight. Um, yeah, I mean, I was making jokes uh, when, when the Mets got Stroman. It didn't seem to make a lot of sense. But, you know, in retrospect, like they took advantage of, of this market and got Stroman, I think, at a pretty relatively cheap cost, um, a, a guy to plug into a really good rotation next year, no matter what happens with Zach Wheeler. You look at the, the list of, free agent to be pitchers um, projected to be at least average for 2020. You have Garrett Cole. He's going to get paid big time. Um, and then, you know, like Madison Bumgarner will, will probably get a short-term deal and he could be okay. Cole Hamels is on there, but he's 36 years old going on 37. Uh, and then Wheeler, like I mentioned, Alex Wood. Um, but, you know, he's been so injured uh, this year and, and then years past. So it, it's, I think the Mets actually made, made a pretty smart move there. You sound um, surprised. Yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> Brody's winning me over. <laughs> you know, we should say we were talking about Granky earlier. You know, I think trading for Granky might just clinch the fact that Garrett Cole is not going to come back to the Astros. I think that's a fair assumption because he's going to get more than Patrick Corbin got. I think he could push towards $200 million. It could be like a, a, Scher- a Scherzer-type deal. I think so. But he's, on- he's only 29 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think, yeah, and, and I don't see the Astros giving that to him. And, and they've already commi- com- committing a lot of money to Grinky in that field, yeah. And they have a lot of young pitchers. So, you know, I think they throw a few of them up against the wall and see what sticks there next spring. We'll see. I'm yep. sure they'll try to get, like, a bargain deal too. So, Yeah, Forrest Whitley, he, who entered the year as their top pitching prospect, is back to pitching in minor league games. He had a really good start, I believe, in high A ball uh, earlier this week. So that, that's encouraging. Um, and then uh, a lot of bullpen additions with the teams at the top of the National League East, especially on Wednesday. The Braves and Nationals each got three relievers. Um, the biggest headline was Atlanta getting closer Shane Green from the Tigers. Uh, the, the Braves also got Chris Martin from the Rangers on Tuesday and Mark Melanson from the Giants on Wednesday. So reshaped their bullpen in a matter of 24 hours, uh, less than that really. Um, Green was said to be drawing interest from a lot of contending teams, the Red Sox, um, some others. I guess we should talk about the way the relief market shook out on the whole here. Uh, Felipe Vasquez, Edwin Diaz, and Kirby Yates were all supposedly available, um, but the asking prices were were sky high, and so contenders sort of had to aim lower. Um, The Dodgers, like we talked about, didn't pick up a a reliever, which was, was really surprising. Um, they, they need one. The Red Sox didn't either. They, they need one, too. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Green was the biggest bullpen arm dealt. And, and thankfully his, for his fantasy owners, he'll remain in a closer role uh, now with a better team there in Atlanta, a much better team. I think the Tigers are actually the worst team in baseball now. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, Luke Jackson bumps down into a setup role. Um, I think you can just go ahead and drop him. He was a nice like waiver wire treasure for for around three months, but I, I don't really see him having a lot of value moving forward. Um, I might might put Chris Martin next in line for saves behind Green there, uh, and then Melanson probably like fourth. Um, uh, the the Braves could could have used a starting pitcher too, but I, I think in general the the trade deadline was a, a success for them. Green has a one point one eight ERA. 43 strikeouts and 38 innings this year um, had racked up 22 saves on a 32 win team there in Detroit. Um, and he's under the Braves control for next year as well. So we'll, we'll probably remain the closer if he's okay physically. So I'm just going to stay with the bullpen situations here in the NL East. Uh, the Nationals acquired Hunter Strickland and Ronas Eli- Elias or wait, Ruenis Elias. Ruenis Elias. <laughs> yes, that's it. <laughs> from the Mariners. I always have trouble saying that for some reason. Uh, I, I do I do too. It's a hard one. <laughs> and the Nationals also picked up Daniel Hudson from the Blue Jays as part of this bullpen overhaul, and they really needed it. Uh, Elias was the de facto closer for the Mariners of late, and Strickland began the year as the Mariners' closer before going down with a grade two strain of his right lat. Many were expecting Elias to be dealt, but Strickland was more of a question given that he just returned from the injury, so... I think we were talking about Strickland as a stash in deeper mixed leagues for that reason uh, just last week, I believe. But he can now be dropped now that both of them are setting up for Sean Doolittle. I know Doolittle has his injury history, so you know you keep that in mind. But I wouldn't let them burn a roster spot at this point. As for the Mariners, you know that situation is truly a mess. Austin Adams has a lot of potential, but he's injured right now. So maybe Anthony Bass is the one to have in fantasy leagues in the short term. Uh, Sam Tool Valala is more of a long-term guy, I think, um, and you know I think could make sense as a stash in, in deeper formats. But I'm not going to lose brain cells talking about this situation because it's not it's not going to be very promising. Austin Adams is is filthy, but uh, he's got a shoulder strain, so I don't he he could be out for for the rest of the year even. Um, and Anthony Bass has had a he had a really good July. But yeah, I, I agree. I don't really see the Mariners winning many games down the stretch anyway. Um, I think you can do better with different waiver wire ads. Um, then uh, as the seconds were ticking down to 4 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday, it was looking like the Tigers were not going to be able to find a trade partner for Nicholas Castellanos. Uh, but then came the sudden announcement that, that he had been traded to the Cubs in exchange for two minor league pitchers. Castellanos wasn't having a great walk here in Detroit. Uh, 790 OPS, 11 home runs, 37 RBIs in 100 games. Uh, but I think we talked about this on, on last week's episode. You could see him being energized by the move to a contender, um, putting up really good numbers down the stretch in Chicago. He was he had become really frustrated in Detroit. Um, he'll probably be their, their primary right fielder, Jason Hayward in center, uh, Kyle Schwarber in left. Or, or they could platoon at times with Schwarber. Um, allowing the Cubs to get Ian Happ or, and Albert, Albert Amora and maybe Tony Kemp in there. Um, Castellanos is batting 347 with a 1026 OPS this season against left-handed pitchers. Um, so the overall stat line with him isn't great, but he's a, a really good hitter, especially against lefties. And, and I think this will be a, a good move for his fantasy value in general. Uh, he's hitting second in his Cubs debut on Thursday night against the Cardinals. So that's a pretty good spot for him uh, behind all their big bats. Uh, Victor Reyes could see a lot of playing time now in Detroit with Castellanos gone, and Christian Stewart hit the, hit the injured list on Wednesday with a, a concussion, uh, but I don't really see much upside there. As far as you know, players or position players that switch teams, I think 
Fran Mel Reyes, Yasel Puig are probably at the top of the list as far as fantasy value, but Castellanos, I think, is right there, number three, uh, based off of what he could do in an improved lineup. Uh, that's just a terrible lineup there in Detroit. So, um, you know, I think maybe he's been dropped in some more casual leagues. So uh, definitely check your waiver wire because you never know. He might be out there. Uh, I think the most shocking deal yesterday wasn't even the Granky deal necessarily. We at least heard that Granky could be moved. We've heard that for a while. But the Zach Gallen deal really came out of nowhere as the Marlins flipped him to the Diamondbacks for prospect shortstop Jazz Chisholm. It's an interesting prospect challenge trade, which you don't see too often. Teams are generally afraid to make these sort of deals, but the Marlins have a bunch of young arms already and decided to use one of those players to upgrade the position player side, which is a little lighter for them in their farm system. Chisholm is definitely very talented, but there's plenty of risk in his profile. While he's put up 18 homers and 13 steals in 89 games in AA this year, he's hitting just 204 with a strikeout rate of 33.8%. The Marlins will have to hope that he makes progress with his approach. They obviously, you know, have scouted him and, and loved him for a while. As for Gallon, he's posted a 272 ERA through his first seven starts in the majors. This includes two runs allowed in seven innings against the Twins in his most recent start this week. The 23-year-old wasn't a highly regarded prospect coming into the year, but he added some velocity this spring and took off in AAA this year with a 177 ERA, had a 112 to 17 strikeout to walk ratio over 14 starts in AAA before the Marlins called him up. And I guess you could argue maybe the Marlins are selling high a little bit, or at least what they perceive to be. Um, and, and we should know Gallon is a fly ball pitcher, so maybe the homers will hurt him a bit more in Arizona than they did in Miami, but he should also get some more run support. So I think it might balance out a little bit. And either way, the Diamondbacks can count on having him in their rotation for a really long time. So I think it's another thing, another deal where the Diamondbacks did really well. Yeah, I thought that was going to be part of some blockbuster three-team trade when it was first announced. Um, but yeah, I think it's smart of non-contenders to, to take advantage of the deadline to kind of reshape their organizations, even if it doesn't reshape their major league rosters. Um, so, so good on them. Um, Jesus Aguilar went to the Rays, uh, Jake Faria back to the Brewers in return, an easy one for one there, uh, addresses major league needs on both sides. This was actually the first substantial trade of the day on Wednesday, got us rolling. Um, Aguilar has been a big letdown this year, had 35 home runs, 108 RBIs and 149 games last season alongside an 890 OPS this year, a 694 OPS, only eight home runs in 94 games. Uh, but he had been heating up in the last handful of weeks, maybe carries that over to Tampa Bay. Um, but I think he'll probably be in like a first base DH platoon there. Um, the Rays do a good job of platooning. And, and so I'm not real optimistic that his fantasy value will get a sudden jolt. Uh, it was interesting that the Rays uh, demoted Nate Lowe to AAA Durham um, on Thursday to make room for Aguilar. So I don't know, maybe he is going to play every day, but um the Rays really like to the Rays and ma- manager Kevin Cash really like to play lefty righty matchups. Um, so I'm not sure he is going to be an everyday guy. And they have a lot of those like first base DH types. Uh, Jai Man Choi, I'm sure Lowe will be back up eventually. Mike Brousseau, um, Eric Eric Sogard, they can DH at times. Brandon Lau, if he ever comes back from that shin contusion. Um, so they've got some options there. Yeah, uh, Faria. Yeah, go ahead. Travis Darno is another one who's been in that first yep. base mix, uh, and he's been amazing or he was amazing in, in July just a crazy month eight home runs for him yeah uh, Faria gives the Brewers a nice long relief option could maybe see some starts too uh, down the stretch he, he has worked exclusively 
out of the bullpen this year at, at the major league level to pretty good results. Um, the Brewers will have him under control through 2023. Um, and I, I think they probably think he can be a starter again eventually, but I'm envisioning them, them using him as like a, a bulk reliever type uh, down the stretch this season. So another one, which I guess is sort of boring, uh, Tanner Roark goes from the Reds to the Athletics for a prospect outfielder, Jamison and Hanna. Roark holds a 4-2-4 ERA in 21 starts this season, but actually has a 107 ERA plus, suggests he's been above league average. He had a rough month of July, but uh, prior to that was pretty solid. Uh, Roark's an impending free agent. Uh, we'll get to trade in one of the most hitter-friendly home ballparks in the game for one of the most pitcher-friendly. Um, so that's a positive for his fantasy value. I still see him as a fringy mixed league guy, maybe more of a matchup play, but definitely his standing has improved as the A's try to make another playoff push in creative ways. And then uh, Scooter Jeanette went to the Giants. This is the we ranked this tenth. We could have thrown Corey Dickerson in in here too. Um, that that trade kind of flew under the radar to the Phillies. I think it's a nice pickup. He struggled with injuries this year. Uh, but he's hit the, the crap out of the ball when healthy. Yep. Um, he'll be a little redundant in Philadelphia when Jay Bruce returns, but a, a nice fill-in there for now uh, for Philadelphia. But, yeah, back to Scooter. Uh, went to the Giants. One of the moves that came to light after 4 p.m., I think the Reds probably regret not trading him at the peak of his value last summer uh, or over this past winter. Um, they just got cash for him from San Francisco on Wednesday. But uh, the Reds couldn't have predicted that he would be injured most of this season and he hasn't been effective when healthy either a 497 OPS zero home runs and 72 plate appearances he averaged an 859 OPS with 50 home runs between 2017 and 2018 Um, but he'll slide in as the Giants everyday second baseman now that's a spot where they've gotten very little production uh, this year I don't expect a big resurgence Um, the change in ballparks will hurt his power from you know, Great American to Oracle Park, really polar opposites in, in terms of park factors for home runs. Uh, he'll be a free agent this offseason. There was talk of the Reds trying to work out an, an extension with him at one point. So kind of an unceremonious ending to that relationship, all things considered. So players who weren't dealt, there a lot of them were the big names, of course. Uh, Madison Bumgarner and Will Smith stayed, par- stayed put with the Giants as Looks like they're going to try to make a run at things. Um, one last run with Bruce Bochy. Um, we'll see if that'll be worth it for them. Um, you know, in a way, I think it's something they might regret, but maybe they feel like they they owe it to Bruce Bochy, and they are over 500. So, you know, you can definitely justify it if you want. Uh, Zach Wheeler, Noah Syndergaard with the Mets. We went over that already. And Felipe Vasquez uh, also stayed put. Edwin Diaz, as you said, Ken Giles, another one which is pretty interesting. It seemed like he was an obvious trade candidate. He's had a great year, uh, and the Blue Jays would capitalize on that. But uh, came down with an elbow issue in recent days, and initially the Blue Jays said it was minor, but he actually required uh, a cortisone injection, um, and obviously teams were probably reluctant to do anything with that. So uh, Giles stayed put as well. He has another year of team control, so uh, perhaps the Blue Jays could... uh, Look into that again during the offseason. Yeah, Kirby Yates uh, stayed put. I think I mentioned that before. Alex Colome, I was kind of surprised the White Sox didn't trade him. Uh, but he's under under control for next season, and I think they could be c- pretty competitive next year. They might have to spend some money uh, to bring in a starter. Maybe they get Garrett Cole. Um, 
Michael Givens of the Orioles. I think the o- Orioles really wanted to trade him, but there were so many right-handed relief options out there uh, that I'm, I, I bet like contenders just didn't really call them until it was like too late. Ian um, Kennedy Ian, was one I was surprised. Yeah, Ian, yeah. yeah. I know. Yeah. He's been awesome out of the Royals bullpen, but I heard that the Royals didn't want to pay down any of his contract, and so that explains why he stayed put. <laughs> yeah. Good job, Royals. <laughs> and I, I think they should have capitalized on that. But I, it might be a, a similar situation uh, where there were just so many right-handed relief options available that um, he didn't really stick out. And if they're not willing to eat some cash, then you know teams just went elsewhere. Teams went to Sam Dyson or Daniel Hudson, you know, some of the other names we've mentioned earlier. Yeah, Sergio Romo went to the Twins as well. Yep. Sam Dyson had a rough debut for the Twins Thursday afternoon, but I think that was a savvy pickup, and um, they actually did pretty well. As far as Speaking of, of savvy pickups, Aaron Sanchez to the Astros is super interesting to me. He's yeah. having a bad year, but I think he could be a relief weapon. Yeah, I'm interested to see what they can do with him. <laughs> I think yep. that the Astros win and plucked him from the Blue Jays. I think I think people should be worried. <laughs> yep, I agree. So uh, a few stashes from the deadline uh, that I think were interesting. Um, this sort of fallout, uh, Will Myers. Now, he wasn't traded, of course, but... Uh, he should slide back into regular playing time with the Padres uh, now that Fred Mill Reyes is with the Indians. Myers scuffled through injury last year and has lost playing time this year while seeing his strikeout rate go through the roof. It currently sits at 35.6%, but he's just two seasons removed from reaching 30 homers and 20 steals. So uh, we can't leave that on the waiver wire, especially with the additional flexibility at third base in mixed leagues. Uh, Myers is still available in, I think, about 55% of Yahoo leagues as of Thursday afternoon. Uh, another one I think is interesting, and this is one that came down at the last minute too. Um, Brian Stanek with the Rays uh, was traded along with Jesus Sanchez uh, to uh, the Marlins, and that was for Trevor Richards and Nick Anderson. Uh, Stanek was mostly an opener for the Rays, and he's been pretty good at it. Um, the numbers as a reliever oddly haven't been that great, but it's very possible he gets a shot in the closer role uh, with the Marlins uh, once he's healthy. He's actually out right now with hip soreness but it doesn't sound like a major thing he could be back relatively soon the marlins aren't in the opener game so they're going to need to find a spot for where stanick could work best uh, he has really good stuff so I, I think he's someone who could factor uh into the late innings uh very soon austin bryce is out for the marlins right now so it might be tehran guerrero in the short term in the closer role for the marlins but uh, i wouldn't go there in in most fantasy leagues uh, Josh Van Meter, I talked about uh, getting a lot more playing time in Cincinnati now that Puig is gone. Derek Fisher, I uh, went to the Blue Jays. He's one of those, I don't know, it seems like the Astros have a lot of them. Tyler White yeah. being one of them. A.J. Reed, guys that put up huge minor league numbers and then don't do much in the majors. But um, So he's like, I think he's 27 now. He's kind of burned through his prospect stock. But um, the minor league numbers are still there, and, and he's going to get an opportunity to play probably in Toronto. More of a wait-and-see guy for me in fantasy, but if he starts getting it going, he has the talent to, to be a pretty good pickup for the Blue Jays. J.D. Davis um, is another one of those guys who was yep, buried yep. in the Astros farm system. He's been pretty good with the Mets this year, and actually uh, J.D. Davis is playing pretty much every day in left field now that Dominic Smith is hurt. Um, so if you're in a deeper mixed league, uh, he's a pretty good pickup. But yeah, I think he has first base, third base, and outfield eligibility, so uh, pretty handy. Uh, Trent Grisham is is one who's pretty interesting as well. Jesus Aguilar, of course, traded. So that really opened the door for Grisham to have his first call up. And 
why not? I mean, he's done nothing but hit in the minors this year. Grisham is actually a former first-round pick in 2015. Uh, back then, he was Trent Clark. You might be more familiar with him as under that name, but uh, Grisham's kind of fallen off the map in, in recent years, but um, he bounced back in a big way this year. Just a monster season. 300 uh, batting average, 407 on base, 603 slugging percentage, with 26 homers and 12 steals between AA and AAA. Um, you know, good approach at the play has really cut down on strikeouts this year, uh, while also adding the power to his game. So very promising combination. Uh, the big question, of course, is how the playing time will shake out there in the Brewers outfield. Uh, there has been talk about Ryan Braun playing some more first base. So if there's the, if that's the case, there, there could be an opening there. Um, maybe Lorenzo Cain is, is spotted in and out a, a bit more. Uh, Grisham is actually, I think he's starting in center field. Uh, he is, yeah. In his at debut, ninth. yeah, in his debut on Thursday. So you know, just something to watch there. I think in a standard mixed league, it, it's more of a wait and see scenario. But uh, if you're in a deeper league, you know, why not take a shot? Yeah, Grisham was drafted out of high school, so I think it just took him a little while uh, to find his footing as a pro. Um, but yeah, crazy numbers this year between Double A AA and Triple A. I actually had Clark in a dynasty league like four years ago. And like he always had a great approach. Like he was walking like fifteen percent of the time, but he was like doing nothing else. So of course I dropped him, and now he's blowing up. So uh, just feeling some pangs of regret right now. Uh, other things in the news, we'd probably be leading with this in any other week, but uh, Bo Bichette is up in the majors finally, off to a really good start to already hit his first homer. Uh, Bichette, the son of former Rocky slugger Dante Bichette, he was hitting two seventy five with eight homers, fifteen steals, and an eight oh six. OPS over 56 games in AAA this year. Sort of an up-and-down year for him. Uh, slow start to begin the year, then suffered a fracture in his hand. Uh, he was red-hot after returning, but actually slowed down a bit prior to the call-up. So I was a little surprised about the timing, but uh, still, he's someone to be really excited about with the ability to hit for average and power uh, while contributing on the stolen base front. And with the Blue Jays looking toward the future, you have to assume he's going to play regularly. He's actually hit leadoff in each of his last two starts, so a favorable spot in the lineup as well. A lot to like. Yeah, he's he looks super athletic. I, I never really saw an, any footage of him really in the minors, which is weird because of his pedigree, but um, he he just looks the part. Like he's going to be a really good player, and I I didn't I don't really know what scouts think, but it looks to me like he's going to be a pretty good defensive shortstop. I think there was talk earlier that he might not stick at that position, but. At least from the eye, from my eye test so far, he looks pretty good. Scout Silvas uh, approves. <laughs> yeah, don't don't bank on it. <laughs> um, the Dodgers have gone all in on Will Smith as their starting catcher. They sent Austin Barnes down to AAA Oklahoma City uh, to clear the way for him. Um, I have Smith in one keeper league, so I was very pleased with with that decision. And he's really w- run away with the opportunity so far. Two home runs, three doubles, nine RBIs, and four games. Uh, since the Dodgers recalled him late last week. He had a 986 OPS with 20 home runs in 61 games this season at, at AAA. I'm in pretty good speed for a catcher, too. Um, I think he's going to be an excellent long-term fantasy asset. Like, maybe a, a top-five catcher going into next season. Could be. Like Gary Gary Sanchez, Wilson Contreras, JT Realmuto, uh, Yasmani Grandal if he stays in Milwaukee. I mean, he has a mutual option with them. And, and then I think I'd plug Smith in there. Could be. Um, yeah, but we can get in, into that on at a later date, maybe sometime this winter. 
Yeah, I mean, Mitch Garver's had a great year. He already has 20 homers. Um, so he's he's really cracked his way into the top 10 as well. But, uh, yeah, I, I know the Dodgers have uh, another talented prospect in their system catcher. Uh, I think it's Kiebert Ruiz, um, mm-hmm. whose name always surfaces in rumors but never ends up being traded. And, um, you know, with, with Smith's emergence, I mean, I, we knew about him prior to this year, but he's really blown up this year. Ruiz is kind of... I guess stagnated, but he's still really young for like the levels he's been playing at. But I'm sure Ruiz's name came up in, in trade talks this week with Vasquez. Um, I know they were also talking about uh, the shortstop. Uh, Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux. Yeah. yeah. Um, he hits a home run every night. It seems like. <laughs> yeah. uh, and who knows? Maybe we'll see Gavin Lux up with the Dodgers. But it seems like uh, the Dodgers got... Uh, Jed Jerko from the Cardinals? Did they plan yeah. to use him at second base or something? I don't know. But... I, I I think that was kind of a, a salary dump okay. type deal. I, don't, I wouldn't really analyze that too much. Okay, so maybe we will see Gavin Lux up this year. But, um, yeah, Ruiz has been someone that I think was assumed to be the catcher of the future, but that may no longer be the case. So uh, he's someone to watch as far as a, a trade chip. Um, at the Braves outfield, I think, is we're talking about as well. Nick Markakis out six to eight weeks with a broken wrist. Uh, rookie slugger Austin Riley has fallen into a brutal slump and is pretty much droppable in mixed leagues at this point. But Ender Enciarte and Adam Duvall have, have both stepped up really nicely. Enciarte was gone for a while with a back injury and struggled after his return, but he's been awesome in recent days. As for Duvall, he's basically been MIA since coming over from the Reds at the trade deadline last year. Duvall spent the entire year in AAA, at least until this week, where I think he's already popped like four homers in five games. Um, Enciarte and Duvall obviously fit different needs. Enciarte is your classic second-half player, more of a batting average guy with speed. Duvall not going to help at all in batting average, but excellent power. He's reached 30 homers twice in his career. You know, Maybe Riley gets it going again and, and finds himself back in a regular playing time, but... I think Enciarte and Duvall are, are both viable plays in mixed leagues right now. I, I'd give an edge to Enciarte, but I think they're both respectable options. Yep. Uh, that's all I got this week. Yeah. Am I allowed to go take a nap now? Yeah, it's, it's been a do. long couple of days. <laughs> please do. We have to cut <laughs> things off sometimes. So uh, yeah. we'll do that here. Uh, a reminder, if you like what you're hearing with this show, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc., And while you're at it, also rate and review if you don't mind. That stuff really goes a long way in terms of spreading the word about the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter if you don't already. I'm at DJ Short and Drew's at Drew Silve. We'll see you next time. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.